0: Hey man, how's it going? It's going good. How are you?
1: Not bad. There's a funny thing happened this week? Um, we were we were supplying some artwork to Apple Podcast to um, kind of dress up the the subscription version of Happy Hour, the ad free version, and um, you know they give us some like native artwork and everything. And
0: and um, the 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 pretty show art is actually just there for everyone, I think. So if you oh cool go to the Happy Hour page in Apple Podcast now. Instead of like the traditional layout where you have just like the they just take like the color from the from the square artwork and just put it on the background and blur it out. Well now if you look, there's actually a nice integrated background. So we have like a full bleed image at the top. So cool. Are a we nice in space? Like a space? Us, but we have pretty images now.
1: Is it like a space background? Like we're we're floating in space? We're floating in the clouds. In the cloud Okay, cool. I dig it. Uh, no, no, it's like, in just discussing that, um, our colleague Felipe Esposito just mentioned something about, oh, this reminds me of that time that you guys were featured in an iPhone 11 commercial. <laughs> like, what?
0: <laughs> and we were like, what?
1: <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, 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 I didn't know that. And so, um, he went and found it and he was like, you know, it's, it's literally just for like a split second, but it's definitely there. And so, he sent me a link to the iPhone 11. It was like the introducing iPhone 11 video. And sure enough, if you watch at 0.25x speed and then apply slow motion to that clip, you can see it. Uh, and it's just someone, you know, using the podcast app and they're like scrolling through a um, a horizontal feed, I guess. And, and it has our artwork there, right there. It's, <laughs> it's I mean, it's us. It's nice not
0: quite to the level of uh, Connected getting their uh, artwork on the background when Tim Cook's talking WWDC, but. I'll take. I, it. I'll take I it. thought it was better than that. I, I mean, it's pretty good. Don't like. I tell you what makes it really good is that the connected one. Everyone just saw it immediately, right? Yeah, Ours, yeah. it's embedded in there forever. So much I, so that we didn't even notice until almost two years later.
1: Can I wonder how many places we're featured and we don't even know it?
0: Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're in in Apple Podcasts now we're under the um, long-running shows technology section
1: yeah and we're we're both collecting gray hair now too so it makes sense
0: That is true sadly that is true (laughs)
1: yeah but we did not know that um i i I tweeted out like i opened up iMovie just so i could like share it as a a way to you know so you literally can't miss it and so i did like um 0.25x speed and then um in reverse so you like you see it again and then i did like I think even like slow motion from that or like, you know, freeze frame. So it was like really emphasized because if you just watch the ad, I, I never would have seen that. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that we both watched that
0: video before. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> so, was in the keynote, right? I've I've literally yeah. watched the yeah. keynote twice at least, probably three mm. times that. Uh, and no, I didn't. I didn't spoil it because, yeah, you mm. literally have to be on the one frame. <laughs> but, I mean, it's but, cool. I'll take it.
1: Felipe knew. It must have been before he joined us. At night, It Fight must back. have been. Yeah. Yeah. Because no one in the room knew, <laughs> like what? Uh, so that's, that's cool. Uh, that is- there there were, there's 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 been some news this week. There, there, there's been there a lot been, of
0: newsroom press releases. <laughs>
1: there there have been Apple press releases this week, and we will discuss those uh, starting with an Apple Music related one. Um, I think this is a story I covered this week. It's, yep. it's Apple is um, they, they bought this company called Prime Phonic, which launched in like 2017 as a classical music genre focused streaming music service. And the idea there is that, um, they have their own interface that is what people who come to Apple music and Spotify in search of classical music. And then they're disappointed. Probably has the interface that, that they want, which is, um, you know, I, I guess I would describe like the, the main way that you see music is like album art really big uh artist title album and that's about it is what you see on like the main playing screen and what prime phonics seem to do um besides just having the experts who organize the catalog of classical music and know how to handle like the same song and all these different versions they also give you loads and loads and loads of 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 who you know who and where and how this was performed and so yeah like a big list of
0: composers and writers and 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 you can sort by composer and you can sort by the you know the writer of the music not just the artist so it's more yeah. like it's basically different ways to access cuz i'm pretty sure most of the classical music songs are in apple music right they're just i
1: don't know i i kind of feel like maybe 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 they are but
0: I, a, I, lot I re- are. Yeah, a lot of them are maybe not all of them but a yeah. lot is yeah if you know how to find it basically and apparently mm-hmm. if you are really into classical music which i'm not unfortunately but if i was apparently you know you really want to look it up by Like you can search for like Beethoven and see all the symphonies, and then also who composed on that, and who riffed on the symphonies to make the new symphonies, and you know Tchaikovsky's fiftieth sonnet or whatever it's called. Like, (laughs) they just give you a lot more data than what you'd find in Apple Music, which basically lets you search by artist name, album name, or song title, right? Yeah. And, and and I remember
1: Siri search for those kind of things has been a really big challenge and iTunes match has been messy with it as well. So um, this is one of those things, you know, Apple, Apple Music itself was a, 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 you know, made through an acquisition of Beats Music. And that was the foundation of Apple Music. And and, you know, Beats certainly didn't have a uh, big experience with classical music. So Prime Phonic came about you know even 3 years after that and did this classical music service for i think $15 a month um the weird thing is that apple is closing the service like next week um they're giving subscribers of the Phonic service 6 months of free apple music so that you can go to that in the meantime and um but but then the exciting and, and they also they're going to bring in some of this stuff from from Primephonic like like the the playlist and um, that, that kind of thing. But, um, the big thing that's interesting here is it's not just Apple buying prime phonic to improve Apple music, that they're going to do a separate music app for the entire genre of classical music. So we'll have like an Apple music classic app, which is interesting. Like what other genre, to, you know, needs its own app. Um, you know, <laughs> it, 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 I think it kind of speaks to just the, the idea that, that, they weren't going to nail this problem of classical music in the same app that has every other genre of music and and then and even by buying prime Phonic, they can't just like shove it in there they they want to have this or maybe it's the classical music but, you know there's no crossover with other genres like they, <laughs> i don't know but I, I think that's pretty interesting that they're, they're going to do a standalone music app for the, for for what was prime Phonic.
0: yeah it's it's really interesting actually cuz it like doing a wholly separate app is such a huge investment right like it's so much resource dedication and presumably like Apple Music is on Android and iOS, I mean, it'd be a bit weird if the Apple Music classical app wasn't also available on Android and iOS, you know? So, And then you also have to worry about all the derivatives off of that, like Apple started putting Apple Music on all the, um, you know, like the Samsung TVs and the Echo speakers and Roku, and, you know, all of that, like, third-party platform stuff. They're going to have to like duplicate that all now that they're going to commit to doing well, Apple Music and Apple Music Classical. So it, it represents yeah. a you know a big decision by their part because the the far easier option for them would be just to say yeah we're going to put you know just roll that into Apple Music. You get better search. You can search by composer. Here's some Primephonic playlists, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Which they are doing, but that's yeah. like the short term thing because yeah. in the press release it says from uh like with the addition of Primephonic, Apple Music subscribers will get uh a an improved classical music experience, beginning with prime phonic playlists, exclusive audio content, and then they'll get better browsing and search capabilities by composer and by repertoire. Not quite sure what repertoire means in this context, but there you go. I'm sure if I was a classical music fanatic, I wouldn't know. Uh, And then detailed display of classical music metadata and new features and benefits. And then next year, they're going to launch a dedicated application.
1: Yeah. I would guess that the application is on iOS and maybe android where there was a primeponic app but for all the other places where apple music exists that it's it's just you get what's in the catalog and none of the other like none of the dedicated user interface stuff for classical music that's the easiest way to maintain that problem i think um but but, but it's like it's, you know i guess it's not going to be pre-installed <laughs> like i would imagine it's not unless it's like it's not gonna be one of the system apps that you can only hide and not uninstall. Um it's, it's a that's an interesting one
0: i don't maybe know maybe it's <laughs> like a link in apple music like so if you add like a, a classical music app it's like do you want to get apple music classical for the best classical music yeah. experience and you can like, download yeah. it for free or whatever because <laughs> like it's pretty it's, it's, it, it could well it's a it's a cool idea but i do have some concerns that they might like muck it up because like you know if you're in apple music classical and you just search for an album and you add it does it get added to your Apple Music app as well? Or does it just get added to the classical app? Like well, they,
1: how they, they have gonna, are the... they gonna
0: separate the libraries completely or are they gonna be like synced <laughs> up and you just see like different views of the catalogue depending on which application you're in? Because there's there's pluses and minuses to like both approaches, but I can very easily them seeing like choosing wrong and then everyone being annoyed, if you see what I mean.
1: Yeah. They they do have the option when you add a playlist to your Apple Music library to to either add or do not add the song to your library. So they've got some consideration there, but I, I would guess that if you add it to your, your classic app, it goes to the main app as well. Um, I, I would also like, just going, like looking at this in the future. Um, they're just now going to make the app it classic app, but I could totally see like five years from now, they, they say, eh, we're going to. What kind of music memo of the app, and it's gone now, and all the great features are in the music app, even if all of them may not actually be there. So, if it doesn't catch uh, on, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 for so, sure. It could be yeah. like a
0: short term experiment, and then they realize that the usage isn't high enough, and all the people listen to classical music are just doing it inside of Apple Music anyway, especially if they like because right now you could understand like the separate app, ex- the Prime Phonics service exists because Apple Music isn't serving those needs, but like what is if they're going to add, you know, composer metadata and, uh, you know, search by repertoire and all and the playlist and all that stuff into the main app, like what is going to then separate the dedicated application to actually justify its existence? Because it doesn't feel like. Because I, I looked, I you know, I tried to download phonic as soon as his news came out, but they'd already removed it from the App Store, so I can actually try it. But and I and I'm not like, you know, a connoisseur of classical music by any means. I don't really like the genre, to be honest. But I was just looking at like the screenshots and stuff and. Yeah, you know, it shows the composers and it shows the artists and it shows the songwriters and stuff a bit more. But in the big, you know, zoomed out eighty twenty 20 view, it wasn't that much different, in to my eye, UI-wise, from what, than what Apple Music offered, right? So if they're going to add, you know, all those features directly into the main application, what is going to be the actual dedicated classical app to, you know, make it stand apart and make it worth having that separate, you know, mini ecosystem, essentially?
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. One last thing for me, too, is that it kind of reminds me of whenever Apple bought um, Texture. And that became News Plus. And News Plus from Texture was uh, based on Texture. Texture was its own app. And it had subscribers on Android and, and iPhone. Um, and then when it became part of the news app, I think people were very underwhelmed at what they got and kind of disappointed. It. it took some few point at least just to kind of get it up up to um, what, what it was. And um, maybe it's not ever fully up to what it was. But uh, but but this is like the opposite of that. They're like, well, we don't want to upset all these classic uh, all these these uh classical music fans and they they obviously have like some user base i guess i think in their their pressure in their like blog post about being acquired they were kind of made it look like well we're th- this is a this is a service that we're passionate about but it, it's not economical going forward or you know that, that kind of thing um so maybe they're trying not to do the texture mistake where they <laughs> upset all the existing customers
0: because the other thing that prime phonic was um like selling itself on was that all their music was high bit rate but obviously you know, Apple Music's already dealt with that earlier this year by running out the loss of stuff and yeah. W Atmos stuff. So
1: We're, we're Habit, right, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh um, podcast.
0: The only thing I would say is that great. I, I'm glad that Apple's doing even more investment in Apple Music. I think they've since Oliver Shusha and I I still don't know if that's how you pronounce the surname, but it's C H U Um or S C H U. Uh once he took over in, like, 2017, 2018, I feel like Apple Music's had meaningful improvements practically every single year and often multiple times a year outside of the normal, like, you know, iOS major version cycle, which I've been very happy about. And they really have brought the app up in quality uh, over the last couple of generations. However, I still feel like there's some, like, low-hanging fruit that maybe they should be getting right before they start making, like, separate apps for subgenres, just, like, general speed. Like, I... I, I've used a Spotify app a, f- a few times. I mean, I'm n- I'm never going to pay for Spotify separately because I, I don't want to pay for two streaming services. I'm not going to drop Apple One. So it, that's, you know, that's my bias up front. But the main thing I like more about Spotify than Apple Music is the speed. Like Apple Music is just slow, not when it's like playing the tracks, but like browsing the tabs. It like mm-hmm. yep. you're like browsing a website, slow- like a bad web app very slowly. And in many mm-hmm. ways, that's actually what's happening under the hood, because like the library tab is native, but then. You know, the 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 Browse tab, the, like, the Watch Now tab, the For You tab, whatever that one's called. Like, it's just slow. You click on it, there's a loading spinner. It takes, like, three seconds, then it appears. Then you click on something else to go to, like, the next page, and you wait, like, four seconds, and then it appears. If you use Spotify, it just feels much... Like, I'm pretty sure it still is, like, Web App-based, but it, they've just optimized it a lot better, so it feels way snappier. Like, you click on things, and they just load instantly, and they just pop in. Whereas Apple Music, it just feels there's a lot of, like, looking at loading spinners and i really hope they can sort that out uh and obviously i don't care about classical music as much so i prefer they do that but i hope that them doing this isn't going to preclude them from also investing in other stuff like i hope that the improvements of 2022 apple music aren't just well now we've got all the classical stuff you know like mm-hmm. I, I, there mm-hmm. are more fundamental issues i think they need to look at mm-hmm. but yeah i mean i'll take it i think apple you know investing in their services is great and what what company can they acquire to make a dedicated tv plus app that's what i want to know <laughs> that would be nice <laughs> happier this week is brought to you by culture code and things if you want to achieve a goal you've got to plan ahead and there's no better tool than the award-winning app that is things things is a rich to-do list which lets you organize by project and for each of your goals you can just make a project add the steps to reach those goals as to-do list items and then schedule due dates as necessary of course things has all of the features that you expect like priorities due dates everything but today i want to focus on a fantastic new edition in particular Things now supports markdown inside of your notes. That means you can easily add rich tech notes to your to-do list items. You can add bold font, italics, underline, headings, highlights, code blocks, the lot. All the markdown syntax is automatically detected and rendered beautifully inside of your to-dos and project notes. In many other to-do list apps, the notes field is kind of like a second class citizen. You know, maybe it's like tucked away deep in an inspector panel, or it's shown in a very small font below the to do. Well, not so with the new version of things things allows your notes to take center stage when you open a to do you've plenty of room to write and that means it's super easy to add all of the details that you need to remember like planning reference materials and brainstorming sessions of course not every to do needs a long note to go with it but for the ones that do it's so great that you can now keep it all inside of things and thanks to the markdown support even your lengthy notes now look and feel fantastic So if you haven't tried Things before, now is a great time to check out the new version. Just search for Things in the App Store. Or you can head to their website at thingsapp.com and you can download a free trial for your Mac and try out the markdown features for yourself and everything else that Things has to offer. Whatever it is that you want to accomplish in life, Things can help you get there. Once more, go to thingsapp.com and try the app for free today. Thanks to Things for sponsoring the show.
1: Yeah, I've, I've been a Things user since 2013, and a uh, great app on the Apple Watch, on the iPhone, iPad, and Mac, and I uh, love to have things sponsored, so check them out. Uh, next up, we have uh, two App Store stories that, that were sort of press releases from Apple. Um, the, the first one, I I recall getting like the the PR pitch for it. The second one, I don't think that they they did that with us, but... Um it was certainly hyped up to be something big. I think I was I, I didn't end up getting to, to to do the actual story. I was um with with the kids, but um and, and so I so I had the at a glance read on what it the story was from Apple's perspective, but not like digging into the story. And I went to bed thinking, "Oh, this is a big change." And I woke up and like actually like looked at our coverage and everything. It was like, "Oh, oh, I see. Yeah. Um so so what's this first <laughs> story?"
0: Yeah, so the first one is the settlement that Apple announced with a class-action lawsuit that was from small US developers. Uh, obviously, this isn't representing all US developers because there are hundreds of thousands of them, but you know, a, a, a fair bunch of them got together and filed this lawsuit about the terms of the App Store being unfair. And from a high-level view, it does seem like the uh, developers, so the uh, the plaintiffs, were going to lose, and Apple was probably... Just gonna win the suit if it went to trial uh, but the headline of like you know Apple fights small developers in court probably isn't very great and uh, Apple wants to get some you know people on its side uh, so it seems like they have come to a settlement where Apple essentially pays some money but not much else really changes uh, to give the the class action lawsuit some saving of face the lawyers get paid uh, Apple can have a nice title that says. that they're they're maintaining a great relationship uh, with the developers and they're keeping a great experience for customers. But if you actually dig into the uh, small business, the small developer settlement, there isn't really anything agreed that wasn't kind of like enforced before. So Apple in the newsroom article uses the word clarifies a lot. And that's a very good uh, summary word for what this settlement has Because basically all of the terms of the app store that have been in use for the last couple of years apples basically agreeing that yes these are the terms and we're going to write them out more plainly for you so you don't have to guess but it's not like they've made like a concession to let developers do something that they couldn't do before so there 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 are a couple of things that did actually change but they're very they're very minor for first uh the app store small business program so that's the thing where apple said that if you make less than a million dollars a year uh you can keep fifteen, you can keep 85% of your money instead of 70% right because you get 50, you get half commission you get 50% commission uh which is great i've benefited from that and most small developers are making less than a million dollars a year so they're very happy yeah th- this
1: is the don't let most developers side with spotify
0: yeah, small <laughs> yeah. That, that that's how cool. I view it yeah. yeah and 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 like you know, 95% of developers make less than a million dollars a year and they contribute like 2% to overall App Store revenue. So for Apple's side, they got loads of people happy without really doing anything. Well, in this settlement, Apple agrees that they won't remove the App Store small business (laughs) program for at least three years. So if you were worried that Apple was going to be, you know, miserly and uh, maniacal and in in a couple of years' time be like, you know that 15% rate where we're actually taking that away and it's back to 30 again. Uh, which i think was never going to happen right because they don't they don't institute these programs for like short periods of time unless they say it's you know limited time offer uh this was clearly just like apple's long-term vision but they never committed before to a time scale well now you've got great assurance that it's going to last for at least three years so uh (laughs) fantastic um (laughs) i mean that's just an example of what concession versus clarification is right Uh, Mm -hmm. similarly app store search apple agrees that its search results will continue to be based on objective characteristics like downloads, star ratings, relevance, and user behavior signals, and they agree to keep the current App Store search system in place for at least the next three years. I mean, okay, <laughs> if you if you don't like App Store search today, well, it's sticking around for three years. Uh, I guess it stops Apple from like monopolizing search results and putting its own apps at number one position and stuff, which maybe they've done a few times in the past and they really shouldn't have, but there you go. Uh This is the one that kind of caught people's eye, right, and was misconstrued originally. Apple is also clarifying that developers can use communications, such as email, to share information about payment methods outside of their iOS app. And as always, developers will not pay Apple a commission or any purchases that take place outside of their app or the App Store. Now, this rule is... At least it wasn't, like before apple started going to trial and you know all these different courtrooms this rule was not written in the guidelines it was just kind of one of the rules that app review would have a go at you about or that apple would have a uh, big fights with big companies about namely spotify uh but it was never written down right so for a, i'd say in around 2018 2019 spotify got angry because they were emailing their customers um to say that oh why are you subscribing in the spotify app when you can uh through our website and it'll be cheaper, and you will give you a five percent discount or whatever. And Apple rejected them for that because they said you're not allowed to target iOS customers uh, outside of the application. There was a bit of a riff raff about it, and basically, what the what the outcome of that was, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, was that Apple let companies email their customers in bulk as long as they're not targeting iOS users. So what essentially, you can email like if you get someone's email, you're allowed to email them and do whatever you want, as you probably should be able to, right? But you're just not allowed to like, uh, let's say I'm a new subscriber to Spotify and I've subscribed through iOS, which you technically can't do anymore. But, you know, imagine you can. As soon as I sign up, Spotify sends me an email saying, "Okay, you know, screw paying through Apple, pay through our website instead. Like that's what Apple outlaws. And all they've said in this press release here is that that rule will stay as it is. So they didn't, you know, let people do whatever they want. That's uh, that got, you know, in some pretty big press, uh, you know, newspapers and stuff. That rule was kind of misconstrued, but there's no change to the rules. It's just writing down what Apple has been enforcing for the last few years. Uh, And Spotify and the like are still not going to like it because they want to direct, they want to target customers directly and Apple doesn't want it, but they've kind of like, you know, put a line under that. Mm -hmm. One thing that is technically a change, Apple is uh, committed to expanding the number of price points available to developers. So I think people kind of know this like abstractly, but if you haven't heard it before, it sounds a bit funny, but Apple gives you a list of prices that you can choose to sell your app at or in-app purchases right uh and basically they give you every increment of 99 cents starting at 99 cents you get 99 cents one ninety nine, 2.99 3.99 4.99 all the way up to like two thousand dollars or some no please please number. please keep going yeah i'm yeah. not going to yeah. count from <laughs> to a thousand and then they have a few more that are kind of in between in different places right but in general you basically get one every dollar uh, this had come up in some you know preliminary lawsuit stuff that apple was price fixing because technically, you can't sell an app for 49 cents, right? Because Apple doesn't give you the option to choose that price. Well, in their incredible generosity, as part of this settlement, Apple is committed to increase from fewer than 100 price points to more than 500. So, whoopee, this lawsuit. If you want to be a developer starting like next year, you'll probably be able to choose any price in increments of like 10 cents from zero to $1,000. So, there you go. Have at it. Okay. okay. And that's basically yeah.
1: it. Yeah. When when you when you hear about developers unhappy with the App Store, they what they really say is they want to sell their apps for four dollars and twenty cents. It's nothing about they want to use alternative payment methods or, um, you know, anything like that. It's
0: contact them, communicate they, with their customers. Yeah. Like, this
1: was the big thing. It was all about. Price increments. Uh, you
0: know, I've been sitting on this at this ninety nine cents. If only I could charge less for it. That's what I've been wanting to do. Right. Like everyone wants more money, not less. But anyway. <laughs> and then finally, the part of this settlement is that Apple has got a hundred million dollar fund that people in the that developers in the US who have earned less than a million dollars between uh twenty fifteen and twenty twenty one, uh, they can claim like three percent back of what they would have earned if the percentages were fifteen. So basically before the small business program is introduced we will give you some money to make up for it uh the lawyers take 30 percent hilariously of that 100 million dollar settlement so the lawyers get 30 million and then that remaining 70 million dollars is split up to people that you know qualify and then say hello i want some free money apple so basically Mm. if you make a million dollars over that you're you're gonna get about 30 grand which is not terrible i mean it's better than not having zero i guess but that's basically it. Apple's like, here's 100 million dollars, go away. Okay. So that is the situation with the small developer settlement. At a high level, nothing changed. Basically, Apple got some headlines. Nothing changed. The thing that is more influential is the Japanese settlement. So this was uh, a few days later. Apple closed the investigation with the Japan Fair Trade Commission, and in that news release, in that press release, Apple announced that they are changing the policy around how do, apps are allowed to communicate that they can sign up outside the application so specifically for reader apps now apple classifies reader apps as like uh media consumption apps where you don't sign up for it in the application itself so like netflix or spotify or newspapers and magazines app, where basically you launch the app you type in your email address and your password you log in right and then you just see your content that you bought elsewhere and whether that's uh like you know Uh, like video content in terms of rentals or purchases like Amazon Prime Video or whether it's like a subscription like Netflix or like Spotify or whatever. So for that single category of reader applications, Apple will now allow you to include an in-app link that will allow uh, apps to direct someone to their website to set up or manage an account. And while this agreement was made in partnership with the Japanese Commission, Apple is going to apply this rule globally so you don't have to have like a different app in Japan, elsewhere, they're just going to let anyone do it. Uh, so, theoretically, this is very good, right? Because one of the big complaints from these big developers is that, you know, you're forced using that purchase because Apple won't even let you tell someone that you can buy elsewhere, right? So, Netflix, you open the Netflix app today, it just has a login button with, a, you know, a text field that you put in your email, just a password, and it says sign in. And there's nowhere on that page where Netflix is allowed to link out to the web, To tell someone how to sign up, because that would you know evade Apple's uh, in-app purchase rules. So, on that basis, Apple has conceded that now Netflix will be able to put a link into its application to tell people that they can sign up online instead. The details are going to matter, but even Mm -hmm. at a very high level, without knowing you know all the conditions and caveats that Apple's surely going to put onto it, it's a pretty big deal, and it will probably satisfy. The big reader apps like Netflix yeah. and maybe not Spotify because they have kind of started like <laughs> a you know a PR war on this whole thing. So their campaign is like millions and millions of things. But for a lot of big developers, I think people are going to be quite happy that they can now put a single link. That was the most hilarious thing about this yeah. thing. It's not like you can link out to your website app. It's like you can put a single link to
1: mm-hmm. your website. Yeah, the and not just good for developers, but this is a clear example of where these changes are certainly better for users as well so for example oh, yeah. if it, you know i, I don't want to risk confusing reader apps with the only things that you can read because like you said it their their media consumption apps. It's apple's term to say reader apps but um and they just and the reason re-
0: they're called reader apps is because it started with kindle
1: yeah which is what i was going to say like in kindle so you 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 you, you cannot uh well the, the kindle experience on iphone and ipad is that um you can download the app and log in with your amazon account and access books that you've bought outside of the Kindle app on amazon.com you you can't go and look at like browse the, the Kindle store um you certainly can't make purchases in the Kindle app without without amazon having given 30% of their business to, to Apple in that case. And so they, they, they won't do that. So the the, the user uh, has to know how to get around, you know, that you've got to buy on the web, and then you view it uh, on, on, on the app. And that's not a good experience. And so you know, in theory, now there can be one link to the Amazon.com.
0: I guess, or yeah. Like don't you put Kindle- two links? No. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Which is just better for the user. Um, and, and, and Apple has language in their release that's like to you know they all all these concessions you know, big or small, they qualify it with their previous position as this is you know, d- generally speaking. These things would lessen security of the app store or increase risk of, of a customer being harmed in some way, you know, um, financially. If, if these things, you know, were to exist, well, now they're starting to exist, which is a, you know, big and, and new. Um, but they, they say about the single link that Apple will help a developer ensure that it's like safe in some way. And all they could think about was, are they going to make it go through? I heard relay when that's ready. Like, what are they talking about? What makes a link safe?
0: Like, right, one hundred percent. Because, like, uh, if it was just, you can now put a link in your app. Well, they could roll that out right now, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's yeah. no technical condition there. It's just okay. Now you can put a link in your app, and we'll submit it and allow it through app review. But that's not what's happening because these changes go into effect in early next year. So Apple's uh, and Apple says it will update its guidelines and its review process to make sure users of reader apps continue to have a safe experience on the app store while in-app purchases through the app store commerce system remain the safest and most trusted payment method for users apple will also help developers of reader apps protect users when they link them to an external website to make purchases and there is so much that could you know undermine this entire like goodwill of the policy depending mm-hmm. on apple's definition of help right because yeah. it specifically says these apps can share a single link to their website to help users set up and manage their account. Now, what does set up and manage their account mean? Like, like <laughs> if, is Apple gonna like dictate that when you click on a link to go to the website, you can't like show special offers or discounts what? or comparisons to the price if it would be inside the app? Like. It depends to what degree Apple's gonna like bring the hammer down here.
1: Yeah, are they going to police what's on that website? Like, you can you can add this link, but oh, we don't like where the link goes. It's too um, there's too many options here for what you can do. Like, you, this links to a to a bookstore. Um, you, <laughs> you can't do that. Um, that that's that's gonna we're gonna we're gonna find out. Um, but but that that help you know help developers thing is really interesting because you know at a minimum like make sure it's HTTP. P.S. and you know secure and then, you know then you go a little bit further and it's like well it's got to run through, um through through uh, uh, the, the relay feature and then it's like well and then they could they yeah because browsing release. goes
0: to WebKit or Safari anyway right so. right yeah um but it, and presumably but it, a single link is not allowed to be opened inside the application i.e. through like a web view it's going to mean kicking you out to the web browser. <laughs> which is not yeah 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 we'll see that that's that's like one of
1: the more interesting things about what's going to happen is what and also the technology of
0: single link this is software like what if you put a single <laughs> like because a single link could be a big button right it could say buy on the web in like your bright blue <laughs> yeah. font with a big you know border around it that could be classified as a single link or uh-huh. apple could say no that's a button a single link means like you know like footnote with Hypertext. a little like yeah. small print sign up on the web do you know what i mean and, and does and does the text of the link is it allowed to say pay on the web or or buy on the web or subscribe on the web or is it have to say like set up your account Do you know what i mean there's a big scope here for apple to like take what at the at the top level sounds like a good policy and even if they do like you know lock it down in 10 ways to summer it's still going to be a concession compared to what it is now where you're not allowed any link of any of any nature but if you just imagine in your head what you'd like to do as a developer for this single link experience, I feel like Apple's put enough sentences around that line that means it's not going to be as clear cut as what you might hope it might be. And Yeah. Like another example is Disney Plus, right? They're a reader app, but they also let you buy. You can subscribe to Disney Plus in Disney Plus through in-app purchase, through Apple's in-app purchase system. So if they're now allowed to put a single link to their website to subscribe there instead like is apple going to be like well when you click on that link you're not allowed to like make it clear to the customer that now you're buying through the website that it's 30 percent cheaper than it would be if you're buying an application right like there's so many um possible conditions they could hang off this rule that we're going to have to wait until the change goes into effect in early 2022 to really know like how permissive apple's being here
1: yeah and the thing about this comes from Japanese oversight basically is, and and then they apply it to the entire store globally. um I can imagine if they didn't do that from the start, they only made this about Japan. Um, then every other country would just copy what Japan did in terms of yeah, and, and obviously forward. Japan's
0: not the only one complaining. Like so many people want Apple to let you communicate. Different ways, you know, a link out of the App Store. It's not just a Japan thing. Like we've been saying, uh, US has been investigating. Europe already has like a preliminary judgment on the thing. So I don't think they could ever get away with like, oh, now Japan said we have to do this. We'll do this only in Japan. You know, like it was going to happen. Some kind of global rule,
1: sure. But we, we, I mean, we're we're now in new territory where before we were talking about like what will all of this mean? You know, how will this be implemented? What what concessions will Apple actually make? To, um, it's just the beginning of well. Maybe it's just the beginning. Um, but it's the first that we're seeing of, of those actions affecting change in the app store and, and then, and then, you know, next year we'll see how they actually do it. Um, but, but you can also look at this and say, oh wow, like the class action actually had, you know, some results that affect some people. Um, and then the Japanese investigation, it has, you know, a much bigger result that affects everybody in the app store and, and the users of those apps. Um, so you you could uh, for me i can now imagine you know similar investigations across europe and the us having actual changes too whereas before i could you know you could kind of say well this never happened before so yeah it's it's unknown territory that this that we're in now but but and, now and surely seeing- apples
0: hoping that now they've done this that some of the investigations in other countries are not going to be as punishing right if they come to a judgement because they're going to say look we've already done this so you can chill out a bit yeah, so it's it's definitely interesting, but there's just so many words, and Apple loves to like announce things with headlines, like like because this came like a week after the spool developer one, where like Apple made it tried to spin it in one way, and then really it was like a you know a thing of nothingness, and now it's like, oh, this thing that sounds great and sounds like a big step forward, but there's so many paragraphs around the actual rule change that I'm like, all these paragraphs are just trying to like say it without saying it. That this isn't as good as what it looks like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but still, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Sure, and it's a, a, a notable step.
1: Yeah, well, way to go, Japan.
0: <laughs> yeah, what, what is it? Every single country is just going to settle with Apple, and we'll get like one rule change per press release <laughs> for the next like seven months.
1: Well, and we, when we also know how they announce these changes too, it's in a late night press release. Like I'm always business. asleep. It's yeah, like yeah. one a.m. Yep. yeah and the headline has nothing to do with the, with the with the um the body of change that actually happens you know 100 Like the, the headline for this one was like
0: the settlement has been ended like the investigation's over japan <laughs> fair trade commission closes app store investigation yeah. it's like, like okay <laughs> uh, yeah it's, a, it's int- very 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 curious and i can't wait to see like the people that think this is like a a, a 100% win, they're going to be so annoyed when it comes to January and there's like all these exclusions written on it and it's going to be some funny like back and forth. <laughs> so we'll wait and see how it's actually implemented before criticising it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Happy Hour This Week is also brought to you by Notion. Not all work tools are the same. Some are focused on project management. Others act as like task lists. Others collect up information for later review. Well, Notion does it all. If you haven't heard of Notion before, it is the one tool you need for your entire team. Notion lets you build a wiki, take notes, push project forwards, all in one place. With Notion, you can collaborate in real time on notes, documents, and wikis. Paying for each of these services separately can quickly get expensive, but Notion does it all for one price. You know, the idea of a wiki may sound like old-fashioned, but it really is what the teams of today need. A wiki is a central hub for all information relating to a business. And Notion is a fantastic expression of that idea, modernized for the modern web. Every team can use Notion to get everything down in one central place so that every department from engineering to sales can work together seamlessly. And Notion integrates with more than 500 web apps, including Google and Slack. Hundreds of thousands of teams worldwide are already saving time, getting more done and delighting their employees with Notion. Plus, Notion has a worldwide community of millions of users creating templates and tutorials so the product is getting better and evolving all the time. Uh, I actually used Notion for a recent uh, project with a development client for, for app development, and it really was a great experience for keeping in sync with the team. Uh, I obviously was in a different time zone, and we could keep in on track with the project with everyone else working remotely all around the world. It was it was a really good experience. So find out how Notion may be the missing piece that your team needs to remove the pains out of remote work. Notion is currently running a special offer for listeners to this show. So go to Notion. So and use promo code HAPPYHOUR, all one word, to get $250 off the annual team plan. That's multiple months free for your growing team. Don't forget, that's N-O-T-I-O-N-S-O and enter promo code HAPPYHOUR during checkout. Notion.so. Get collaborating with $250 off at Notion.so and use promo code HAPPYHOUR, all one word, when you buy. Thanks to Notion for sponsoring the show.
1: All right. Uh, next up is we're, we are back in the app store and uh the story here is there's a new prompt that we're seeing as of uh, recording today and uh what it means um you've you've got more background on this i think than than folks have seen so far so um it's the personalized ad prompt you you say yes or you say no and then you can use the app store but uh, what is this why is this
0: yeah so we talked about this you might remember i don't know uh we talked about this probably like back in March time, March-April time. Basically, it became clear that, or they've been doing this for years, but basically it became more in the view of criticism when Apple rolled out uh, app tracking Transparency, which imposed a load of rules on third-party advertising in apps, right? And you had to show that permissions dialogue. You had to get explicit user consent as a third-party developer before you could send user data to third parties for purposes of advertising or analytics. Uh, but while that was going on, Apple has its own advertising network which is technically first party, so it doesn't fall under the third party rules of ATT. But the end result for a customer is basically the same, where Apple would use usage and demographics, demographics information from your Apple ID, from the kind of stories that you read in the news app, from the stocks you follow in stocks to the apps you download, your purchase history in iTunes. Like It would just bring together all that stuff to help target ads that Apple would then show in the App Store, so like App Store search ads, or maybe in news articles in Apple News or in the news section of stocks, right? In the, in the stocks app, like the business news section, they, whole, they were advertising, and most of the advertising is uh, driven by Apple's ad network. And so it didn't feel very fair that Apple was imposing this long list of rules on third-party ad networks while basically letting their own be personalized by default automatically without even telling the user that it was happening. So the only way before that you could actually like change this was you had to go four <laughs> levels deep in a setting screen to then turn off the toggle for personalized ads. And Apple would never tell you about it. It wasn't in like the device up, you know, when you ask you about location services or other stuff like that. It was just on by default all the time. And that felt pretty bad, right? Like it didn't, it wasn't like Apple, you know, avoiding app store rules because it was almost conveniently written that the app tracking transparency rules didn't apply to Apple's own services. <laughs> but <laughs> if you, do, if you are not, like, I don't think that even matters, right? Just the fact that Apple was doing personalized ad targeting without even telling you that it was doing it, right? Like transparently. That just felt kind of against Apple's image of, you know, privacy preserving and, and privacy first. Like, I feel like they should at least have told you that this was going on and probably not had it opt-in by default and have it as an opt-out thing that they sort saw. Or have, sorry, not have it as opt-out, have it as opt-in, right? And give you a prompt. Well, starting on iOS 15, they're going to do just that. So when you launch the App Store, you get this pop-up now which, uh, like it says, personalized ads. And personalized ads in Apple apps help you discover apps, products, and services that are relevant to you. And we protect your privacy by using device generated identifiers. blah, 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 blah. And it basically says, turn on personalized ads or turn off personalized ads. You can just choose. And this just pops up when you launch the App Store. Very similar. It's not the exact same dialogue as what you use for AppChain Transparency. Based in the same nature. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> and so now they're just being transparent that, yeah, Apple actually does use your information across multiple applications that you might not be aware of. To personalize ads for you, and do you want that or not? And presumably, it's now off by default because they're giving you the the prompt to turn it on, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is great. I think it's fantastic. They should have done this years ago, and it was kind of ridiculous that they didn't. So now it's not on by default. You get a choice. You can choose whether to do it or not. And yes, the amount of data that Apple's collects is quite small in the scheme of things, right? They're not going to do anything nefarious with your app store purchase history, but it's still good to be transparent upfront about it. Like that's what Apple says. That's what you go to the D8 conference with Steve Jobs. You know, privacy is about knowing what you're signing up for and asking them and asking them every time, right? And personalized ads from Apple was not doing that before, and now they are, which is great.
1: Yeah. So it's still still a very different screen though from uh, allow tracking or do not track.
0: Yes, it does make it <laughs> sound a lot more um nice, right? Yes. Compared to what Apple forces the third party apps use, which is like. Do you want to allow an app to track you? Yes or no. This is like, do you want personalised ads? It's cool, right? Like, you know, it's like a very different um, nature. But I'll give them some leeway because, a, when you accept uh, app tracking transparency dialogues, you're technically given the those third party apps permission to do pretty much anything they want with their data, not just ads personalization. So it doesn't directly apply. And secondly, first party ad networks that live on the app store, most prominently Facebook, right? They don't have a requirement to do anything. So they don't have to tell you if Facebook's sharing data with Instagram because it's all first party, because Facebook and Instagram are the same first party, they don't have to show you a ATT dialogue for that at all. They don't have to tell you it's happening. Obviously, it's in their privacy policy, right? But they don't have to ask you and prompt you with the dialogue. So Apple's actually going now beyond what they require from other applications, which is great. So I'm thrilled. Um, mm-hmm. It is maybe... The only thing I would say here is that I don't think Apple did this out of love for the customer. I think they did this because of antitrust pressure. Because in March, (laughs) France, the French competition committee, basically had a preliminary statement that it was uh, against user privacy and against customer uh, expectations that Apple was having this on by default. And they're basically facing antitrust complaint in France. that they can't have personalized ads on iOS without getting user consent. And how do you know, here comes along iOS 15 later in the year that gives a user consent prompt for it. So, Mm there
1: you go. All right. Uh, I I am much more into this next story. Go for it. Yeah, you want to introduce it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, there was a a, a Ming-Chi Kuo story. Um, I think we're all familiar with Ming-Chi Kuo. He's the supply chain analyst um, who so often reports on um, hardware that's in the pipeline that will uh, equate to shipping Apple products, um, you know, iPhone screen sizes when they're different uh, screen materials for, you know, that kind of thing. Um, This time he says that, well, he quotes says that the iPhone 13 will have this, this certain chip that will allow for satellite communication um, between iPhones when you don't have cell service. and so. Um, this, this is kind of just, just from that alone, it's kind of like what's we've talked about in the years past about, um, I think Mark Herman of Bloomberg was the first to report that Apple had played around with this, or, you know, the idea was if you're somewhere without a signal, you could still message iPhone to iPhone. Um, and he also had a separate report that was Apple was interested in satellite communication. Um, so, so, that, yeah, so, that's, that's, so in, in December that's the quote
0: team. 2018- Mark Gurman at Bloomberg said Apple's researching ways to use satellites to beam data directly to iPhone and its other devices without needing cell carriers. Mm, y-
1: yes, yeah. Um, the uh, so, so so the the thing with satellite internet or, or satellite communications right now, you know, everyone has has GPS in their in their phone, and that's satellite based, of course. There's specific GPS satellites in space and orbit. Um, there's also these days. Um, like competitive to broadband satellite internet. Uh, there's a number of companies, SpaceX is doing, they have a service live called Starlink. Amazon has a service coming in the next year or so. Um, one web is another one. And these are like actual, you know, competitive to broadband performance, um, you know, in theory up to one gigabit per second speed of of satellite communication. Right now they use ground stations and in the regions where they work. Um, but it, it, there's even plans for like laser based communication between satellites so that it can be anywhere without, a, without the ground station. Um, and so then you could say, well, I don't need a carrier anymore. I can do everything that I can do over the internet that can do on the iPhone anywhere with the service. But, um, that's nothing like what even like the Co report is about. It's strictly, it, it's really like what Mark Herman had reported, you know, a couple of years ago, which is, um, you know, maybe a call, maybe, maybe a text, uh, and, and there's even, I think there's like, I think there's like, uh, oh, forget the company, but there's a company that is, um, doing very slow rollout of testing, like in specific countries, um, to just say this will allow you to send a text and then they'll eventually make it something larger and, and, and data size and go from there. But it's, it's very early days for that kind of thing. So, um, so, so, so that's the, that's the quote part, you know, he, he cites this, this, chip that'll be in the iphone 13 um then there's more yeah, details. Quite basically
0: said the iphone 13 will have the hardware to talk to lower satellites
1: right make yeah. of that what you will yeah and then and then uh, mark urban of bloomberg who had you know pieces of this story from over the years um brings in in the specifics which i'll let you take away
0: yeah and um, so a lot of people are like ah quo's an idiot why is he saying <laughs> the iphone 30 he's never gonna be able to talk to satellites what an idiot like don't bet against Kwame. He's, he's pretty good at this stuff. And mm. sure enough, like a day later, Bloomberg followed up with, iPhone satellite features will enable users to send emergency messages, but it may not launch until next year. So uh, basically, Mark Goman says that Apple is working on an emergency communication system that will work uh, without cell service, i.e. you'll communicate to a nearby satellite to send a message. And there'll be two parts to this. Initially, uh, there'll be the Emergency messages via satellite, that's apparently the name of the feature, which will be integrated into the messages app. So, right now you have blue bubbles for iMessage, you have green bubbles for SMS. Well, if you get into a catastrophe or a terrible situation, now you'll be able to send gray bubbles over satellite. So, Apple let basically um, uh, integrate the emergency satellite messaging directly into the messages app. So, if you get into trouble, you'll be able to send a special type of message that doesn't need cell service, it will use satellite somehow to contact emergency services or close friends or something and then the other part will be like a kind. this this doesn't really have like a direct name but it's like catastrophe reporting that's more um that's not just like sending a message it's like direct reporting of an incident so like plane crashes or sinking ships you'll be able to like press a button and say you know right now this bad thing's happening tell whoever you need to that kind of reminds me of like uh you know like Waze or the new apple maps like you know mm-hmm. crash reporting in apple maps where you have like that little screen it's like is it a traffic jam is it a police or is it a you know an accident and you just press one button and it reports it so that sounds like that's part of it too so you'd be able to send a text to somebody and uh, Gertman even says that there'd probably be like a character limit because you can't send a lot of data over satellite well or reliably so it will probably be just like short messages just to be able to tell people that you know you need help and then there'll be like this beacon reporting system where it's like you know mush i'm on a, i'm on a cruise ship it's sinking just tell someone immediately I'm in the middle of the ocean, right? Um mm-hmm. and then maybe like five, ten years down the road, it might develop in outside of emergency communications and more into just like a straight communi- consumer feature, right? But that's like a long way off. Because the problem is right now, communicating via satellite is it is expensive on your battery, like it drains the battery very quickly, and it's unreliable. Like people who have the, the Starlink beta. For out, you know, an hour a day, you get no internet at all, right? Like <laughs> that's the Tesla thing that uses satellites, Starlink. So it's I'm not SpaceX,
1: but yeah. Close.
0: Sorry, SpaceX. Yeah,
1: <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, you, you have to have a clear view of the sky. That's right.
0: Yeah, you you have to have like clear view of the sky, and if the if the wind's blowing, you know, the wrong way, maybe the tree leaves get in the way, and then you don't get signal for a while, or you have high latency. And Mark even says in the report that Apple's been developing like ways to make it more accessible. So. Connecting to a satellite would require the user to be outside. The iPhone will prompt them to be outside, and it could take up to a minute to get a signal. And it'll almost like the um, the little pop up that shows when you're trying to uh, get GPS or, or not GPS. What's the compass? It's, That's it's, it. Where you need to get a compass and you have to like do a figure eight, figure of eight motion with your phone and you know walk around or whatever. Where there'd be a similar mm-hmm. one for this, where it's like you know hold your phone up and walk outside basically to get satellite service.
1: I, I, well, I was going to say, it's it's kind of like the early days of GPS, too. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess GPS was like the same as well. But the thing yeah, I remember yeah. is compass because it's specific is that like figure of eight motion you're meant to do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, unsurprisingly, this availability of these satellite features will vary by region uh, in accordance with um, coverage and local laws. So depending where you are, you might not be able to do this for a while. But it does seem like the iPhone 13 hardware will be able to do this stuff and then maybe they'll announce it. September is like a coming soon thing or maybe they won't and next year they'll be like hey with your iPhone 13 now you can make emergency calls if you get in a if you get into a into a situation
1: yep and and there are these devices that you can buy there like just think about when you would buy a standalone gps for your car for navigation and now it's built into your phone there are these satellite communicator devices that cost a couple hundred bucks and you send what the equivalent of an SMS would be, you know, in terms of like text size and everything. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think those work, these work with cellular, but they also rely on satellite if there's no cellular connection. Um, but they, they can send uh, a, a text message to uh, a phone number or an email or, or the app that's made by the, the, the service. So, um, you know, it, it was kind of funny timing. I, I saw an ad on Instagram for a Garmin version of one of these satellite communicators and send you a screenshot and i said something like you know apple should put those satellites to use and knock this product out um and they're you know this is this is just the very early days of this and in terms of you know quo finds that, you know knows that the chips in, in the supply chain for the iphone 13. um but of course it's much more to make this thing actually work um it, and then you know mark has the the details uh, but but I, I'm excited about this, and and it's it could be way more exciting, you know, if 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 it was the other, you know, kind of first glance at the story of Apple, you know, could replace your your uh, phone service, you know, it could be your everywhere, but but we're not quite there yet, and um, it's not impossible because it, it's not you know it wouldn't always be that way, you know, I don't know if you've ever had experience with satellite TV, but satellite TV was was notoriously bad for having outages and rainstorms and that kind of thing and i don't have i haven't had satellite tv in years but i, I believe that experience has improved and it's mostly just by um by satellite deployment you know the more satellites in, in space that are operating um the better chance of signal you can you can have so yeah and the um, fact that
0: when you're at home watching satellite tv the dish is like huge right because it can be yeah the roof whereas putting a satellite with enough power in a phone is much more complicated and, not, and it's not just, it, it just doesn't have the same range, right? Because like, yeah. all these emergency features, they'd be fantastic in an Apple Watch, right? Because it'd be joining like the other emergency SOS stuff, uh, but mm-hmm. it's just not going to be practical because the watch is too small, it's not going to have a big enough radio to contact a satellite, and even if it could, it'd probably drain the battery in like a second, so yeah, have got to start with what they can practically do, which is the phone. Mm-hmm. It's cool though, like it's nice that the iPhone 13 has actually had a bit of a surprise because we've been going months thinking, oh, yeah, it's going to look the same. It'll have promotion, which is cool. It'll have a faster processor. The camera's will be better. And then, you know, over the weekend, it was like, and now it's talking to the satellites. <laughs>
1: yeah. Which is, just, do, you, do you think they're going to talk about this? Or the- do
0: you know what? I'm going to go with no. I, mean, I feel like they've been burned recently with too many times where they've promised stuff that has taken too long okay. to come out, whether you want to talk about yeah. air power or the U1 chip, right? Which I know it supported the AirDrop feature from the beginning, but that was kind of like meh. And it took yeah. another like two years to ship the air tags, which actually use the U1 chip in a reasonable way. So I'm going to go with they don't mention it. And then, or maybe it'll be, it'll probably be like listed on a slide, like low earth <laughs> orbit communications, but they won't like make a big deal out of it until they actually have the feature ready to go. I don't think they're going to say next year the iPhone 13 will be able to Help you in an emergency with satellite,
1: yeah. And the product from Garmin I found it on my history is called the Garmin Enreach Mini, and that one is three hundred and fifty dollars. And ugly, and ugly. It looks like an old walkie-talkie, and it requires an Enreach satellite subscription plan. So you know, there's it definitely can disrupt that space if if this works well. Um, and and what they send are looks like you know. Old Nokia phone uh, text messages and it can share location as well, so you can get weather updates. Uh, it's it's that's targeted for hikers, but if you put that in the phone, it's pretty cool. So we will see. I'm
0: excited about that. Yeah, for sure. And finally, this week, Happy Hour is brought to you by Ladder. Apple disrupted the smartphone market. Netflix disrupted television, and now Ladder wants to change the way people get life insurance. Ladder has taken the life insurance industry flipped it on its head and shook out all of the inefficiencies. Before Ladder, if you wanted to get life insurance, you'd have to drive across town, sit through a sales pitch with a store manager, fill out a ton of paperwork and then drive all the way home just to wait six to eight weeks to find out if you've been approved or not. You'd also get spammed with agents calling, trying to bundle in car insurance and all other things that you don't want on top of your life insurance plan. But with Ladder now, there's a better way. You can get fast, affordable term life insurance without leaving your home. With term coverage, you just pay a little bit each month to protect the ones that you love. Uh, If this is something you're worried about, choose Ladder for your life insurance plan. If you're applying for insurance worth $3 million or less, you can take out a Ladder insurance plan 100% digitally online with no doctors or paperwork having to be involved. Just go on Ladder and you can apply in a matter of minutes on your phone or laptop. Fill out the application and Ladder's smart algorithms can give you an instant reply so you know immediately if you're approved. If you're between the ages of 20 to 60 and you need coverage, it makes sense to team up with Ladder, the company that's disrupting the life insurance market. If you've been thinking about getting life insurance, Ladder is the place to do it. If you aren't sure, but you just want to get more info, you can go on Ladder's website, fill out their online calculator, and you can see the costs and terms of their plan with no commitment. So go to ladderlife.com slash happy hour today to see if you're instantly approved. That's ladderlife.com, L-A-D-D-E-R-L-I-F-E dot com slash happy hour. One more time, ladderlife.com forward slash happy hour.
1: All right. uh, And then uh, finally, at the end of this episode, we have some grave news to report, which which is that we are in September, but we may not have an apple watch released this year or this month i mean this year we're, we're on track for one but not this month um this this was a report from uh nikai uh, asia that they, they say that there was an, an actual pause in iphone an apple watch series 7 production um they cited the new design as kind of the source of the problem and then looking at covid restrictions with travel and getting able to having a new design and not having the same folks be able to come over and and kind of authorize everything in the way they they've been able to in the past has slowed them down. Um, And, and, and that means that ordinarily you'd see production ramping up right now for a release later this month, uh, or it it would have happened in August. And instead we were getting to the end of August and it was on pause for a short period. And um, I think I think now we're looking at the end of September. Is there was a separate report out today that the end of September is when production should ramp up, um, which is uh, you know a, a good month behind. So maybe Apple Watch Series Seven is is an October thing, um, in the way that uh, Series Six was October last year as well. But the iPhone won't be. It's
0: no, the Series Six was not October last year. No, it wasn't. The series Can- the, the watch has always been on time so far. That's the part iPhone, of what makes this interesting because
1: the in, last year came it was out. the
0: iPad and the Apple Watch in September. Ah, okay, I see. Well, and then they did the phone separately in October and then the Mac stuff in November.
1: Yeah.
0: But yeah, like they've tried to obviously launch the iPhone with the Apple Watch together ever since yeah. the, uh, the Apple Watch has come out, right? Apart from, mm-hmm. I guess, the first one. Yeah. Uh, but last year the iPhone was severely delayed. So the watch came out on time in September. And now this year, it sounds like the iPhones are coming out on time, but the complexity of the Apple Watch redesign has caused some supply chain issues, so they haven't been able to run production on time. So it's going to be coming later, probably you know mid to late October, which isn't a huge yeah. h- a huge thing, but it's it's just interesting that this is going to be the first year now that it's the Apple Watch that is delayed.
1: Yeah, and and at first, you know, you could read the the um, Nikai report and say, well, maybe they're going to launch it on time, but it'll just be severely limited. You know, you pre-order and then they sell out really fast, and the The pre order dates go back into October really quickly. Um, But it it does sound like they just haven't had the amount of production that they could even do that, and that it's just going to be later for even pre ordering. So,
0: yeah, it literally says the production of the Series 7 watch has been temporarily halted as Apple suppliers (laughs) try to sort out the problems and further certify the designs before going to mass production. And who knows if this is true or not, but Nick, I actually blame like COVID because Apple engineers haven't been able to go to china is mm-hmm. frequently to be able to like yeah. validate the production processes and stuff i don't know if that's true or not but that's what they said was one of the Getting reasons down to the why, wire, though. Mm-hmm. why they've had in production issues like i guess on the one hand it's kind of like a, a bummer but on the other hand i'm like it's got to be a pretty good upgrade if they're having problems making it you know? yeah <laughs> you know it, it's I mean? not like, just the same design from series four Yeah, it's not know. just going to be the same kind of thing so whatever they're going to do to make the design significantly different and more complex uh I'm down for it from a customer's perspective because it's mm-hmm. going to ship this year. It's just not going to be September now; probably October, mm-hmm. late October. Mm-hmm. So yeah, new Apple Watch will be uh, significant. I guess is the yeah. is, the, is the positive yeah. spin on that article. Oh, cool. Yeah,
1: and, and then, then there've been stories this week on um, what this Apple Watch and future Apple Watches could could do in terms of health sensors. So not just the the redesign, but um, what the kind of the next few years of Apple Watch could include. So what do we have there?
0: Yeah, so uh, this was from the Wall Street Journal that the Apple Watch is at the center of Apple's health ambitions. I mean, we could have told you that. Uh, but for the future generations, these are the kind of things that Apple's looking at. Uh, one part is blood pressure sensing. Uh, and basically, I've got to give Zach full credit on this one because he said Apple is probably going to do what Samsung did. I was like, no, nah, they're not going to do that. But it turns out they're going to do what Samsung did. Which is basically, (laughs) you get a baseline reading from somewhere else, and then the Apple Watch can tell you trends of how the blood pressure would change over time. Because obviously, to get an actual blood pressure reading with like firm numbers, you have to have like pressure and it, like, you have like a cuff that like squeezes your arm, right? And an Apple Watch is gonna be able to do that, but they're gonna use like optical sensors to be able to see uh, how the blood pressure in someone's body is trending. Some employees have raised questions to managers about how useful the feature could be, uh, but they even said it's, you know, still in development could change. But that could come Mm -hmm. as soon as next year. It wouldn't be coming for the Series 7 because it relies on more complicated algorithms and maybe like an upgrade to the optical sensors on the device. Yeah. A long-term app was supposedly reporting a studying a way to do a cuffless blood pressure device, uh, which could give a blood pressure reading without inflating, but that is, you know, just like research, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, also for the Apple Watch Series 8 Apple is said to be investing in new sleep tracking features thank you very much because the sleep tracking (laughs) in the current Apple is pretty mediocre Uh, including the ability to detect advanced sleep patterns and sleep apnea Uh, this would kind of bring it more in line with features already available in like the Fitbit and stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, but they say that engineers are currently struggling with battery life issues because to expand the sleep tracking capabilities it means Apple has to run the sensors overnight for longer which could have a big effect on battery life uh the one thing that obviously has been talked about for years and years is non-invasive uh, blood glucose recognition detection which would help detect like diabetes uh unsurprisingly it says apple's still struggling to get this sorted out this is a thing that so many companies in the world are trying to nail like a way to measure blood glucose without having to prick your finger uh if apple could nail it on a watch it would be like a huge deal but that's just you know it's still stuff that is way out like many years away so they're working on it but it's going to take them a long time to, to, to perfect it and then we've mm-hmm. heard about this from bloomberg before uh the apple watch series 8 is probably going to feature a temperature sensor and interestingly the the journal said that planned use of this feature is for fertility planning so it could give women's clues into their cycle uh, for ovulation purposes which is a nice idea but i mean mm-hmm. more simply surely a temperature can like help you know if you're getting a fever or something as well mm mm-hmm because it's, yeah. just, it's just a temperature. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And then finally, so, Apple mm-hmm. is uh, pushing the FDA. What does the FDA stand for, Zach?
1: The Federal Drug... The Food and Drug Food and Drug Assessment, or something? Yeah. Something like that. Food, food, food and Drug Administration, yeah.
0: Uh, food and Drug Administration, yeah. Uh, Apple is trying to pressure, well, not pressure, but like push along the process for the FDA to approve updates to existing features and capabilities of the current watches. So uh, one of those things is that You know the current like detection for atrial fibrillation with the ECG feature? Well, right now, that's only signed off for people that haven't been diagnosed with AFib before. Uh, Apple wants to get the FDA to agree that people that already have been diagnosed can use it to track their condition. Because right now, if you get AFib, you're medically told not to use the Apple Watch anymore, which is kind of counterintuitive, right? Because even if you discover the fact that you have AFib through the Apple Watch, The official rules at the moment say once you've been diagnosed by a doctor with AFib, you're not allowed to use the Apple Watch anymore to track it because it hasn't been signed off for that purpose, which is kind of crazy, but obviously Apple's trying to get that changed. And then Apple is also working on a feature to get approved by the FDA which would alert users if their blood oxygen level drops. That's using the uh, blood oxygen sensor that was introduced with the Series 6. Uh, Right now, the blood oxygen sensor just provides a reading, but it doesn't alert users when conditions change. So this is kind of like how when you do the ECG feature, it will tell you if you've got like sinus rhythm or AFib, right? But when you do blood oxygen, it just says like a percentage. It says like 97 or 95 or 100. It doesn't really give you any analysis on that. So Mm -hmm. Apple's trying to work with the FDA to get that kind of stuff approved. So that would come in like software updates to existing watches because it just relies on current hardware. Mm
1: Mm-hmm yeah uh one one more thing before we go i was looking at uh global star which is the company that that's behind the chip that that would be in the iphone to make it um have this emergency satellite communication and and you know you just think about uh ming chi quo and for us he's like the source of of you know of eventual hardware uh you know updates before they happen um but of course his, his you know his actual purpose is um, to give clients a- insight into which suppliers to invest in based on what he knows about the supply chain for products, including the iPhone. And uh, on the initial report, Global Star, there's, their shares went up by 64%. Um, that was after the quote report. And and then uh, the next day they went down, I think only by 15%, but it was from from the Bloomberg report, kind of like putting a little bit of cold water on, on what people's expectations were. But that just shows you, you know, what what the the actual purpose of of quo analysis is, and uh, the effect that it has on on suppliers.
0: Don't bet against quo. That's for sure. He he can say some <laughs> crazy things, but you have to believe him because he's almost always right. That's uh, right.
1: One yeah. thing
0: I'll just say on the watch stuff: like, obviously, most of the stuff we just talked about in the journal report is quite interesting and relies on you know new sensors like better sleep tracking, sleep apnea, temperature. I'm probably just gonna upgrade my watch this year because. I think most of those sentences they're cool, but they're not what make me upgrade the watch. To be honest, the things that make me upgrade the watch are like design changes and cool stuff like that, and that's what's coming. Well, not September, but now October. (laughs) So I think I think the Apple Watch Series Seven is a pretty good year to upgrade from from a Series Four.
1: Yeah, you you in a non-joking way actually, you know, looked at well maybe this isn't the time to update the watch if next year's watch will have all this new stuff. And then it was you know we kind of had the discussion together offline. I was like. If if all the news just came in the old design, would that be as compelling for us who as we're excited about the new design? And it's like I yeah, really want the design. Um, for, yeah, if know, the series selfishly. seven looked the same,
0: but it had better sleep tracking and temperature sensor, or you could choose the series seven that we're getting, which has the new design and doesn't have the other stuff. I'd pick mm-hmm. the new design one for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I I do think it's interesting that we'll we'll look at the series seven design, and and you know I think we can already probably assume that um, by taking the watch from its you know the kind of the the classic design it's always had so far to this new look that if you didn't change it you could probably achieve better battery life and and some of these challenges that that they're going to face with the existing hardware and that when you update the design in the way that they have maybe they 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 kind of you know get set back a little bit in terms of what battery life could be with those other functionalities yeah
0: yeah, it's always a trade-off of like mm-hmm. what are you investing in to make work right if you, you keep yeah. the design to the same it's easier to add sensors on but if you're changing the design you have a lot of work there to change the design make everything that currently works in the apple watch fit in the new casing et cetera. Et cetera. and look it's just proof in the pudding because then the, the nick i report there's production issues with the design <laughs> so, that's like right. design changes are harder than they seem for sure
1: that's right all right, that is the Happy Hour podcast for this week. You can email us together at happyhour at nine to five mac You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Apollo Zach. That's A P O L L O Z A C. And Benjamin, you're on Twitter at
0: BZA Mayo.
1: And a special thanks to all of our listeners who've subscribed through Apple Podcasts for the ad free version. We really appreciate that. It helps support the show. And um, thanks to everyone who listens and supports our, our sponsors as well. That's that's very much appreciated. And uh, we will be back next week, probably with some some knowledge about the event, event the iPhone news. event. Yeah, it's yeah. crossed. Okay, cool. Cool. we'll I'll see you in the event.
0: <laughs> Bye-bye.